Hi, this is Jeremy and welcome to Tech Goose Ninja, a podcast where we dive into interesting, cool, or just plain old weird technology, providing a simple global perspective into this exciting world. Thanks for joining us this week. Now let's get right into the news where we'll meet the ninjas from their outposts around the globe. Hi guys, welcome to Tech Goose Ninja podcast. Uh, today we're going to talk about virtual reality. Um, I remember virtual reality from uh, Star Trek, the holodeck. I always remember seeing that and thinking that was going to be a really cool thing someday. Uh, and apparently that day has now arrived. And uh, I guess Google and Samsung have, or was it just Samsung that have launched those uh, cool looking goggles uh, recently? So we've got Samsung with their Gear VR, which they've recently released a new consumer version of. And uh, people are currently enjoying that now. We've got Sony with their PlayStation VR, which is the sort of console hookup. We've got Google with their budget version cardboard, which is basically a piece of cardboard with two lenses on it, but which has uh, incredible potential for a lot of uh, different fields like education, for example. And imagine filling out an entire class of kids with these things. And uh, oh. then on the more corporate side, we've got Microsoft and their HoloLens. Uh, what were you thinking there, Mark? No, I was thinking, uh, is, is, is the Google one a, a pretend thing, like an imaginary thing? Like you just tell kids, here you go, here's some, here's some lenses, and just imagine that you can see things. Well, actually, I've, uh, so I've actually used the uh, Have you seen them? cardboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've used a pair. Uh, they're quite impressive. Um, and it just goes to show you, I guess, just what kind of range of virtual reality hardware uh, we already have and what we can come to expect. Uh, I guess what Cardboard did is they kind of uh, demonstrated that you don't need a lot to get going in the virtual reality space, which makes and me wonder, uh, what are they putting in the Oculus Rift? What are they putting in the Microsoft HoloLens or the Samsung uh, what is it, Gear VR that makes them different? Yeah, and just um, to bring that to life a bit, actually, the Google Cardboard... I, I'm, I'm not exaggerating at all. It literally is a piece of cardboard, and the manufacturing cost of that is within less than $5 we're talking about, especially if you mass-produce it, $1 to $2, yeah. $3, which is absolutely amazing for applications of the developing world. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It's being, it, they're selling it for nineteen ninety five, and it literally looks like a piece of cardboard. It looks like something that you'd make at home. Like, uh, Good old retail markups right there. It totally is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the way it works is all the computation is done on your cell phone, right? So they they have an app to install on your your Android device. They, I'm not sure if they have an iOS version as well, but this app basically splits your screen into uh, a left screen and a right screen when your phone's in landscape mode, and mm. um, you you slip your phone into this cardboard box that has a separation between the two uh, the two screens, uh, and then it has two little eye holes like you would expect in kind of like binoculars or something. And so yeah. you're yep. just staring at, you're just looking at two different screens and your two eyes are seeing two different things and that is all they need to recreate a virtual space. That is exactly it. And it's not only, despite what you may think, it's not only Android, it's also the, the Cardboard app and it's just called Cardboard. So if you search for that on the Play Store, you can find it. But it's not only available on the Play Store, it's also available on the Apple App Store, that exact same uh, app made by Google called Cardboard. Okay. Um, and you've not only got the Cardboard app, you've also got a slew of other apps that are being developed by uh, independent developers that sort of give you insight into the uh, the human anatomy, for example. I think you can become uh, a pill or a drug in one and go through the uh, the human system. Uh, I'm sure it's not a oh, not a pleasant awesome. ending to that one, but uh, quite interesting <laughs> the journey at least. For sure, that sounds really cool. 
I mean, that's actually one of the use cases that really excites me. And I think we talked about this on our previous episode, uh, just the way you can get immersive education going on. I mean, think about it, right? Getting, uh, you know, taking a classroom of biology students in, uh, I don't know, they could be in high school, middle school, even in, in elementary school to get the creative uh, juices flowing and get them in, excited about such topics. Take them exactly. on a little journey. It's like the magic school bus into your body. <laughs> and Google are already running trials with schools whereby uh, a teacher can have sort of admin access over the rest of the cardboards that the students are using and then hmm. bring them to, uh, for example, the Apollo 11 mission and get everyone as an astronaut in that shuttle uh, watching the, um, uh, the shuttle as it goes up towards the moon alongside Neil Armstrong and then they can control that and, uh, and basically bring the, bring, it, bring the lessons to life more. Yeah. Have you guys seen um, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's uh, documentary series? Um, gosh, I'm forgetting yeah. what it's called now. The, the but, one uh, with uh, Seth, Seth McFarlane. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Anyway. Exactly. So there's this, uh, you know, a documentary that is, you know, educational and and fun for you know kids all the way through adults. I, I you know I I sit home and watch that sometimes, and um, imagine watching that in virtual reality. I mean, entertainment meets education. Um, just. Super cool, super cool exactly. stuff. And you can, you can already watch YouTube videos and even your own videos on Samsung's Gear VR, for example. I mean, I, I've done it before, and you effectively get a, a full-screen view. It's even better than IMAX, technically, although you can see the pixels still. That is, that is one of the limitations of virtual reality at the moment. It's, in my opinion, it's not immersive enough as it should be. You, what you nice. need is 4K in each eye, to be able to not discern pixels anymore. Um, and I reckon we're still a few years away from that. But steps, we're getting there, baby steps. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that I, you know, I, that doesn't bother me at all. It's, it's, the technology is so amazing that I don't care if I'm seeing, uh, you know, pixels here and there. Um, what we have to celebrate is, you know, how far we've come from the black and white TV a long time ago, right? This exactly. is just the next big step. And we went from small screens on black and white to you know, color screens to larger screens and now back to smaller screens uh, and much more personalized screens. It's inter interesting how, uh, you know, how we evolve and what we, what we look at. But let me ask you guys, did, did either of you have an experience of virtual reality as it was emerging in the late 80s, early 90s? I did. Um, growing up, there was a video arcade um, in town that had, you know, a bunch of great games, you know, all the, all the Marvel, Capcom kind of uh, arcade games. But they also had this virtual reality uh, shooter game where you'd put on, oh man, this was a really heavy, heavy <laughs> headset. Uh, I remember feeling the weight of the headset and it was, it was uncomfortable, it was heavy, uh, it was worse than pixelated. It was, I mean, the pixels were, you know, squares the size of potato chips. Um, and you would, but they would have you stand into this, step into this arena, uh, small, maybe, you know, four feet by four feet. Um, and you could walk around um, in there. And as you walked around, you are navigating this person that you are, you know, your avatar in a virtual space. And you're holding these handheld uh, laser guns um, and you're shooting aliens. And I mean, I loved it. But I can <laughs> tell, I mean, the that's quality. That's quite an experience. Yeah, that was, I mean, this is, this is 90s. We're talking about the 90s. Uh, the video quality was worse than, you know, any video game you'd ever play at home. Um, you know, and I'm talking back to, like, Atari days. Those had better graphics. Uh, but See, it was I, still really I'm, cool. Uh, that, 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 uh, that series, by the way, is called Cosmos. That's, that's yes, what Cosmos. you're talking about, right? 
But yep. uh, anyway, I'm not quite sure what virtual reality exactly means, but I think uh, what, one experience I've had is um, those uh, sort of digital roller coasters. You, you sit in, in them and they've got a screen that's showing a, um, a sort of course and or you know the 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 tracks uh, of a of a roller coaster and then the the pod that you're sitting in moves around and dips and dives yep. and does the whole uh, roller coaster you know f- sort of experience without actually being outside and doing that um i guess that would be kind of my vr experience from back in the 90s Brilliant. And just for the sake of the audience, uh, I'm going to clarify what these words mean. You know, we've got reality, which is effectively what you see around you right now. That is, if you don't subscribe to the theories of the Matrix, of course, that we're all in another world already. <laughs> which pill did you take? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you've got something which is on the way towards virtual reality, which we call augmented reality. And that is all around creating an overlay of objects on the real world. So you're still in the real world, but it's been augmented in some way through the addition of these objects or this information in your field of vision. And then if that you was what Google the... Plus was supposed to be, or Google Glass kind of? Exactly, exactly. Google yep. Glass was a prime example of a augmented reality device. And then you've got VR, which is completely on the other side, virtual reality, and that is an entirely new world. So you're disconnected from reality and you enter a completely new world. And that's what all these uh, Google Cardboard, uh, Samsung Gear VR, PlayStation VR, the Oculus are all about. I mean, even the Matrix, right? That's exactly what virtual reality is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're you're plugged into a place that is completely different from where you physically are. Precisely, precisely. So it's not using a, a head-mounted display, an HMD, but you're still in another world by jacking in through this this sort of pipe that's been shoved through the back of your skull. Not particularly pleasant. I prefer the headset, in all honesty. <laughs> but that goes to show, right? The definition of virtual reality, it's actually quite broad. Um, so everything from a headset to uh, being in a moving vehicle that uh, doesn't move very far. Flight simulator, that's uh, a form of virtual reality, I would think. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and stuff like the Matrix where you're actually plugging into your brain. Simulation is probably the most obvious example of the applications of virtual reality, but it doesn't stop there. You've actually got some really incredible stuff, applications in the uh, retail industry, for example, where you've got uh, this company based in Eastern Europe. It's called Trillenium, for example, and what they do is they're being backed by ASOS at the moment, the big clothing brand. Uh, they're helping this this startup, Trillenium, to create a virtual showroom. So effectively, you can look around and explore this virtual store, and it has Ted Baker products, it has Nike products, it has Prada products. It has everything there, and unlimited shelf space, technically. And that's pretty disruptive to the retail industry, and consumers can just access it from the comfort of their own home. Yeah, that is so exciting. that's on, on, online shopping taken to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. That's and then great. you've got the sports industry. Imagine if you could be... What's a, what's a big sporting event in the US, Ranjit? Dude, the Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Okay, so imagine yes. you had a front row seat at the Super Bowl through a virtual reality stream. So you were sitting at home along with the thousands of other fans across the US and they were able to access this same single front row seat and look to the left and right of them and see all the fans screaming and shouting and then be right in front of all the players and and be able to see the entire field of view of their own choosing, not of the director's choosing. You it doesn't get to stop choose the there. View. It doesn't stop there. Uh, why, why stay in the front row seat? You could be on the field. You could be in the... Uh... 
in the players, you know, getting a player's view or a referee's view. In fact, I've seen um, a demo, or, or I don't know if this was a, not a, it wasn't a real demo, but there was certainly an ad or something made up of this where you had uh, some of the football players wearing Google Glass um, or a glass-like uh, device, um, and you could plug into the view that they're you know creating from their head cam and yeah. kind of follow them around the field. Now that is pretty cool. I haven't heard of that one before. Hopefully yeah. the uh, the uh, camera is not too disruptive to the players, though. That is my only uh, concern. Right. Well, uh, nowadays uh, in rugby, the uh, or during the World Cup, they had a, um, a a camera on the vest of the referees. I don't know if you guys uh, remember that. If you, but uh, just a couple months back, they they already had something that wasn't that intrusive. It didn't seem like. So it's uh, seems Was a matter meant- of time. Was that meant for the crowd to be able to access? Yeah, they were they were piping in that that stream every now and then, uh, just to give you the point of view of the of the ref. Oh, that's pretty sweet. But I don't know I don't know if you could do it yourself or it was it was happening from the uh, producer's uh, control room. Yeah, this is what I love though. This is this is the beginnings of it, right? You get a little taste of it. They they kind of slip it in every now and then when it's convenient, when it's a good angle. Uh, but these are the beginnings of when that uh, you know access to that view become will eventually come into your control, and you can choose which view you want to uh, activate. Exactly. Um, MLB, the uh, baseball uh, league in the states, uh, they had that uh, option in their. They've had that option in their um, uh, app uh, for to watch their live streams. Uh, you can mm-hmm. pick whatever sideline or or whatever um, a foul line or behind the the plate or from the, the outfield you can pick which camera you want to um, watch the game from up to you you know completely up to you this has been around for a few years at least for playoff games anyway but um yeah i i like how we've gone 15 minutes or almost 16 minutes here without talking about like the uh the darker side of uh, virtual reality <laughs> that's pretty impressive guys like sure, really really bad. good job good job by us oh, sure, man, sure. i was hoping oh. not to go there <laughs> on, on that note, Mark, I think you've uh, I think you've invited it in. Shall we move to what is the dark side of virtual reality? I mean, not necessarily, but sure, let's do it. <laughs> so, virtual right, how, reality. Deep, how deep are we going? Are we going Matrix with this? Are we going? I, I think uh, we're going down the rabbit hole. All the way. Yeah, let's go. Let's okay. go all the way. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> let me let me let me take it to a darker level. I mean, I love virtual reality and I'm a big fan of it and I want to see it succeed. But I really do believe we need to look at the negative points as well. We need to play devil's advocate to really understand this technology and get a good feel for it, how it's going to be in the future. So the negative aspects of virtual reality. Firstly, on a very sort of slight level, it causes a lot of sickness and feelings of nausea in people right now. When people are trying on these headsets... A lot of them do feel sick within a matter of minutes or even seconds in some. It's all about mm-hmm. tolerance levels of the individuals, but people have thrown up everywhere after, after being in, you know, in a virtual reality experience. Some get headaches. Um, it generally, it's a very unpleasant experience, and that for them is the end of them ever trying virtual reality devices of any application, for example. Oh, okay. And the reason behind that is a result of... Um, well, one of the reasons is, is this this lag because there's a small very small very uh, almost imperceptible lag between when you move your head and when the actual vision moves and this changes between headsets but it invokes the same feeling as if your body had been poisoned and that's why your body gets this (laughs) nauseous feeling to throw up all this stuff because it sees it as poisoning really poisoning my god 
Yeah, yeah, no, it's quite incredible. But it's not only that. I mean, they're going to solve those problems, those uh, lag problems, especially with the um, with the Oculus coming out early 2016. They will have sorted out the lag. The other issues are there have been no long-term tests of people undergoing a virtual reality experience for a long period of time. Uh, I can talk about an example uh, that they've or an experiment they've done on mice in collaboration with UCLA. I think they were in charge of that, where they basically got a mouse um, and put it in a virtual reality world. And they didn't put a headset on it, of course. Uh, they, they got it inside this little box with projectors all around and it detected where the mouse was moving and created the feeling of the mouse moving in a labyrinth and the projectors moved accordingly. So the mouse was effectively, in its view, going through a labyrinth. It was just in a box with projectors all around it, changing the scene. Then they took the mouse out and put it in the same maze, but in real life. And they scanned the, the mouse's brain patterns in both instances. And in the virtual reality instance of the maze, there was a part of the brain that wasn't firing, that was when it was in the real world. And what that means, we don't know. But it, it certainly <laughs> doesn't seem to bode well. No, probably not. It can't be good for your eyes. That's that's uh, that's one thing. Uh, I can't imagine it would be decent for them. Yeah, I've I've heard this as well. Um, I don't know for sure because I, I I can tell you right now I haven't been in a virtual world for longer than about thirty forty minutes, and uh, so you, no, you that's, actually, that's quite a long time. That's quite a yeah, long time. Thirty forty minutes. It is it is a fairly long time, and when you get out of it, I mean, my eyes are, are fine, despite the fact that I've got uh, minus six and a half prescription. <laughs> you could say they're already screwed, basically. Yeah. <laughs> they certainly didn't get any worse in the virtual reality world. I mean, it world. doesn't have to be much worse than, than just staring at your computer or your phone for, for an extreme amount of time, right? We already do stuff that's so bad for our eyes. I don't see why this why virtual, real, virtual reality headset technology has to be any worse on our eyes than any of the other things. Sure, it'll be a lot closer, but there's ways to compensate for that with the uh, amount of light coming through the screens. Yeah. yeah, and I think when it comes to the future and people are using virtual reality devices perhaps as their primary mode of entertainment in the living room maybe in 10 to 15 to 20 years' time, there will be campaigns along the same lines as alcoholic campaigns right now which, mm-hmm. will, which will talk about using virtual reality responsibly. That's what I think oh, yeah. the future will hold that's, for VR. That's an interesting uh, point you bring up. I was actually reading about a company called DeepStream VR, uh, which are based, uh, I believe, here in San Francisco, actually. Uh, they have a product that they – it's called Cool, um, and this is something that they've been selling to doctors. And apparently, doctors have been using virtual reality on patients with pain uh, from various injuries uh, as a substitute for pain-relieving drugs. They put them into a virtual world. Uh, usually with beautiful sceneries um, and like lots of furry little animals that these patients then go and interact with and touch and you know stroke and play with and whatnot and ro- roam around these these beautiful landscapes and apparently this has they claim proven to decrease pain and is used as a complete substitute for pain drugs. Absolutely, the world of therapy is another application of VR, and they've they've not only used it for that application you mentioned, Ranji. They've also used it for soldiers and treating PTSD after they've come back from uh, from campaigns, um, the current wars that are going on. And what they do is they bring them back into those war zones, but in a controlled environment um, mm. under the guidance of a qualified um, uh, psychologist, so that they can help them to overcome. Uh, those um, those issues that they have. I like that, addressing the root of the problem rather than uh, just ignoring it completely. 
Exactly. And there's there's so many amazing applications of VR. I mean, I'll just talk about one or two quickly uh, that we haven't mentioned. Art. Art is one that you wouldn't really think of when you think of virtual reality, but VR is effectively another art medium. If you search on YouTube for Glenn Keane and HTC Vive, which is a headset that HTC are going to bring out, it's one of the more premium versions, you will see Glenn Keane using one to actually draw Ariel, the Little Mermaid, in 3D using the areas as canvas. And Glenn Keane is the, oh, the wow. man, the Disney animator who brought us Tarzan, who brought us the Little Mermaid, uh, he brought us Beauty and the Beast. So quite amazing to see him on there producing art in virtual reality. Wow. Um, so I thought we were, we were going to talk about the dark side of virtual reality. We've, we've just, <laughs> just, just a few just, disadvantages. We only, we only skimmed I, I, it and then we came back. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're too excited about how great VR is. Uh, there's a little bit of bias on this show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There, there absolutely. was, there was. I mean, when you started talking about the PTSD, I, I, I when I first heard about VR, I thought about uh, drones and and that kind of warfare, and mm-hmm. how that's kind of like a VR. Is it an augmented reality when you're looking at a screen and bombing someone from halfway across the world? Well, I suppose when you're looking at a screen and it's not taking up your entire field of vision that would be a form of monitoring technology. When you're in the reality yourself and there is information being overlaid around you, that would be augmented reality. But if you were to put on a headset or enter the world of that drone, for example, that would be a form of virtual reality, which would be possible. I wouldn't be surprised. I could see that. Exactly. I wouldn't be surprised they're not thinking about it or have done it already. I mean, there's uh, there are applications of this beyond uh, you know aerial drones. Uh, I mean, and there's been this has been in movies as well, right? Where you have a, a robotic soldier, a mechanical soldier in the field, uh, but uh, it's piloted by a human, you know, on the other side of the world with uh, virtual reality goggles and and maybe a matching virtual uh, reality sort of body suit with sensors, such that the soldier moves, um, you know, in this room, uh, and the soldier in the field, the robotic soldier in the field, mimics its movements and fires its weapons or whatever um yeah Mas- master chief does does that kind of thing and uh he's, he's some kind of robot <laughs> oh god i think i think the power rangers too that's kind of a virtual reality the, the power when, rangers when you... man we are we're doing really bad at going dark with this is this as dark as we can go the power rangers all right, all right. Let, let's let's bring it back into darkness guys what darkness. happens i mean currently currently when you have and i'm i'm gonna uh bring this up and a lot of people are gonna are going to hate me for this, like real pure gamers of World of Warcraft, but I'm going to, I'm going to bring it in. World of Warcraft players, there are one or two who are a bit obsessed. We all know that, right? <laughs> under, understatement, but okay. <laughs> so we know of a couple of individuals who have actually pretty much dedicated their lives to playing this game and are completely immersed in it. And this is just a game which pretty has very unconvincing graphics, in all honesty. It's not particularly impressive at all, but they are drawn into this world. What happens when they actually use a virtual reality headset to start entering into these worlds? How much worse does that make the problem of being obsessed with uh, these, these experiences? What happens when the virtual world becomes more preferable to the real world? This reminds me a little bit of a scene from Inception where there are those people in an underground basement um, who they sleep forever in these induced dreams. And the reason they do it is because it's the only way they can enjoy uh, any form of life. And it sounds awful, right? It sounds awful because we're on this side of it. We are, we are in the world right now, the physical world, 
that we think is the physical world. Um, and we like it so much, and we're, we're terrified of people going to some sort of, some other reality, because it's new, because it's different. Well, uh, but I, what if I it mean, actually I'm, is a better place? Who's, who's actually scared for them? I mean, how different is it from their current lives anyway? Like, there are people who sit there in front of their computers playing games all day, every day. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't see what, the, what, what a huge difference would be. Is it wrong to have a completely virtual world where you can interact with people, so socialize, um, get an education and go to school, um, go out with friends and watch a movie or play bowling or sports or whatever it is? Is it wrong to, to do all those actions in a virtual world rather than the real world? What do I you don't think say? so. I don't think it's wrong at all. It's, uh, it's no, an ability no. that our technology will afford us. Um, and this is another bias, right? We are, we are all, you know, 20-somethings, um, you know, fairly, fairly young in the scheme of things. But uh, if you were to ask, you know, people 20 years older than us, a generation older than us, uh, I'm sure we'd be getting different responses. Possibly, yeah. Uh, also, I mean, I, I like the idea of sitting here and, uh, you know, we're sitting in Australia and California and in England. And, you know, if we could put a headset on and be like talking to each other, seeing each other's faces, uh, uh, having, you know, a, a drink together, that would be pretty cool, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And in, to some extent, you can somewhat do that. Have, have any of you heard of uh, Oculus's Toy Box demo? Yes. Yeah, I might have mentioned this on the previous one, but for the viewers who haven't listened to that one, uh, or the listeners rather, uh, Oculus Toybox is all about bringing people together through a social platform. And, and for those who don't know, Facebook has bought Oculus Rift. Um, and we're starting to see where they're taking this now with Toybox. So you and another friend can enter this virtual playground and basically have a lot of fun play with toy trains, play ping pong against each other, uh, throw fireworks into there and blow things up, uh, and generally have a great time. And that is an example of socializing through VR. Yeah, so that sounds like something really good about it, to be honest. One of the, one, it's it's one totally of, a why one, not. One aspect I haven't thought about. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a why not aspect to it, right? There, there's no reason to yeah. block this sort of thing. Um, I think it'll only become questionable... Um, when people start to spend an exorbitant amount of time in a virtual world. Um, I mean, uh, and what is exorbitant? Like waking up in the morning and then entering the virtual world completely and then, you know, going back to sleep when they leave it. Is that, is that excessive? It's going to be very difficult to define in absolute terms, I think, because it all relates to you as an individual and how, how you uh, run your life and how others perceive it um, and your interaction with the world currently. So I really think it, you can't have a, an absolute definition about it, how much time is, is healthy or not in VR. Yeah, and you still have to take care of your bodily functions, so you, you still have to eat and so on. Um, so and I can I see that. I can see some that people, aspect. that's all they do anyway. Yeah, we, we, yeah. Don't want it, we don't want this to end up like uh, that World of Warcraft episode in South Park, guys. That would definitely be <laughs> Exactly, <one>. exactly. <laughs> but I can, see, I can see a future where um, you know, the, the taking care of bodily functions... Uh, is kind of just done as a as a mandatory mechanical kind of process in your life um, that is secondary and, and you know the real the real goal or the real where you really live your life is in a virtual world um, that's not so foreign a concept um, no it isn't it isn't right where you can you be conducting business in this virtual world 
you'd be I mean there's already money being made in video games right there's money being made in in you know all sorts of in-game purchases people make money um, by winning video game tournaments and there are people whose sole income is from winnings at you know being good gamers um, there's no reason to, to think that business cannot exist in virtual worlds um, and that could very realistically become at least for some portion of, of the human population where they live their lives could on that point could virtual reality help to bridge the gap between uh, people who can no longer live a a very functional and full life and those who want to go down the euthanasia path path which uh, obviously a lot of countries a very controversial topic that a lot of countries and people have opinions on but can virtual reality bridge that gap by providing a world or an experience or both where that person can live happily and enjoy their life, whether or not that's in a real world or not. Well, I wouldn't go so far as as euthanizing, but I mean, just bef- uh, you know, while while you you have people with disabilities, for sure, I, I think that's a that's a, a really nice aspect of it. Um, it just opens up the so many opportunities to see and do things that you might otherwise not be able to. Just to, I mean, be able to put some glasses on and you're transported to another spot where you've always wanted to go, but you just couldn't do it, you know, physically couldn't do it. I think that's awesome. That's just, that's really, really interesting. And the point is, it's not euthanasia. That's the thing. It's just taking someone to places where, as you said, they can't go or taking them to a world where it's no longer painful and it's no longer um, a, you know, a a a horrible place to be, which which reality will be for some people. Yeah, and it's not just yeah, it's not just great. gaining access to places where you couldn't because you know a disability prevents you from going there, but it's the ability to interact with that place in ways that you can't because of your disabilities. Uh, like Jeremy said, I think that it, the happiness it, that you get from that experience is therapeutic and will probably delay further problems in your body. Will probably mitigate existing problems. Um, how I mean, ta- I'm, I'm uh, how tactile are these uh, these experiences? Like, how, can you like? F- I mean, you can't touch and feel things, can oh, you? You this, can just see them. This is an excellent but segue the next into step. the next part of this. There are issues with virtual reality at the moment. Most people see VR as you put on a headset, you have a look around this virtual world, and that's about it. At the end of the day, maybe you interact via a button on your headset, like with the Gear VR, but beyond that people can't think of the possibilities. So the issues are, you can't touch, you can't interact with this virtual world, you can't walk in this virtual world, you can't feel feedback from this virtual world. But there are already uh, accessories and parts of these VR devices that are tackling those issues. So there are a number of companies like the Cyberith Virtualizer, for example, um, which is, uh, they have a device which is a uh, low friction circular plate that sits on the floor and a ring above it. You step into the ring uh, with your socks on and you effectively slip on this surface and that translates into movement in the virtual world. And I'm not talking about just walking and running, but also jumping and crouching. Imagine playing Call of Duty in that thing. That'd be absolutely <laughs> amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, so that's I think walking. that's the way it has to be approached. It's uh, the goggles that every, everyone thinks of virtual, virtual reality. And like you said, they think of the headset, the goggles. Uh, I think the other sensory inputs, I mean, that has to come through other accessories, right? You have to have gloves that can s- simulate certain feelings on your fingers, uh, certain footwear or surfaces that you step on, like you just mentioned. 
Yep, and there's the Oculus Touch, for example, which allows you uh, in that toy box uh, idea that I told you about to interact in that virtual world. That's how you say hi to people in the virtual world. That's how you throw that stick of dynamite and uh, give everyone a, a like in, in the virtual world. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, you've got the, the feedback, feeling the feedback. There are jackets that you can wear, for example. So going back to the Call of Duty example, at the moment, the only way you know you've got shot is when you see that red blotch on the screen. Uh, and in different different corners of it, but you don't feel it. Not that anyone wants to feel getting shot, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but humans are pursuing immersiveness as much as, as as far as possible, and this jacket effectively gives you that feedback by giving you that that feeling wherever that bullet came from. Well, well, very exciting. Um, you know, I, I feel like we've 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 gone pretty deep into this. We've done we've done a decent job today, guys. I'm sure we'll be coming back to this. Yeah. Hopefully for our listeners who perhaps weren't engaged in the field of virtual reality, we've given you an idea of what's coming and it will come soon in 2016. We are, we are going to see a lot of consumer headsets hit the market. The Oculus Rift, the, uh, the Gear VR is already out, the PlayStation VR, the HTC Vive, it's going to hit consumers and I, th and I believe personally it's going to hit them hard. And we're really going to see the virtual reality industry start to drive forward in 2016. Can, can so I put these on my Christmas uh, Christmas list for this year, or do I have to wait till next year? Sadly, not. The only thing you can put on your Christmas list this year is either the Gear VR or the Google Cardboard. But uh, that would be a fairly stingy family member uh, if they're going to get you the Google Cardboard. <laughs> I'll get you a cardboard, Mark. The shipping will cost me more than the product. <laughs> it will be. <laughs> But that's, that All is right. brilliant. Thanks a lot for that, guys. Great discussion, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Hey, listeners, right, if, you, uh, if you enjoyed the show or uh, found any of the, any of the particular topics uh, interesting, uh, feel free to mention in the comments uh, what you'd like to hear more of or what you didn't like so much. Uh, we'd be happy to hear from you. Uh, that will be on our Facebook uh, page, uh, which is uh, facebook.com slash techgoosninja uh, or our uh, Twitter page, which is occasionally checked, I'm sure. Uh, at Goose Talks is the uh, handle for that. And you can find us. This will be up on SoundCloud, and there'll be a link on our Facebook and Twitter uh, very soon. When Mark says occasionally checked, we are all looking to Varun, who is not here at the moment. <laughs> but we will make sure he checks it. Our supreme leader. <laughs> All right, that's Check out that regular activity. <laughs> All right, good All right, morning and good listeners. night and uh, good afternoon and whatever. See you guys. Right, cheers. Next out. <laughs> Bye. Bye.